Hello everybody, this is Trevor Lee and this is episode number 63 of Running 44 at 60. So it's three weeks now since the classic quarter. <laughs> and I've been back for a couple of little runs and all that stuff. But I'd like to give a couple of shout outs to people who are I know now are really regular listeners to the podcast. So first up, Phil Begnett. Phil was on the podcast himself recently talking about his bus driver theory. Well, this podcast is going out on uh, Monday, June the 14th. And Phil, on Saturday, June the 19th, is taking part in an event called Race to the King, which I think starts at Goodwood Racecourse and works its way through to Winchester Cathedral, where there is somebody dressed as a king to greet you when you arrive 53 and a half miles later. Now, this is Phil's first ultra marathon. I'm hoping he'll come on the show um, sometime soon after he's taken part and tell us all about it because it sounds an amazing event because you can do the whole 53 and a half miles all in one go starting at 6.30 in the morning and get into Winchester whenever or you can they have a special sort of two-day event where I think it's according to the website about 23 miles you stop and you camp and then you go on and do the next 30 miles the next day. And all the tents are set up for you, well, according to the website. So whether that's still happening this year or not, I don't know. But it sounds great fun. So everybody gets allocated a, a pop-up tent and, uh, and off you go. And, the, and, the, and what's amazing, for looking at the pictures on the website, is the aid stations look just incredible. The aid stations like, look like you're walking into a running food shop. I mean, it's just amazing what they've got, you know. So uh, anyway, looking forward... To, Phil, if you're listening to this, get in touch when you're finished and, uh, and then we'll fix up and we'll try and uh, get you on the show again. Tell us all about Race to the King. And also a shout out for George Buckley from Northern Ireland because George, um, George actually came first in his age category at the Classic Quarter, which is the same category as me. I think I may have come third. <laughs> George was first. He was, uh, he was a couple of hours in front of me. Um, but George sent a really nice message via the YouTube channel where I put on the, uh, the, the draw, the prize draw, and I'll mention that in a second, and, um, and said, you know, he'd been following the podcast and uh, it would have really helpful to him because he hadn't been over to recce the course, obviously. So he felt as though he knew a lot about the course simply by listening to the podcast. So George, thank you very much. I know you've been trying to put a review for the podcast on there, but somehow on your iPhone, someone will, someone will know how to do it. <laughs> So that would be great. So, George, thanks very much for your comment on the YouTube channel. That was really great. Thank you very much for that. And the other thing that we've done is that we have had the prize draw because we said that uh, for every £10 anybody gave towards the sponsorship through, as an individual, we would create a randomizer draw. And the winner would get a £75 eating out voucher, which was sponsored by my business, uh, Trevor Lee Media. And uh, we did the randomised draw last week. I think it was on Thursday, because that was the day. Thursday would have been my mother's 85th birthday. And we said, right, that's it. We're closing it all out today. And we'd reached our target. Uh, well, our new target. Our original target was £4,400, £100 a mile. The new target then became £6,600, which was £150 a mile. So we got there. And I think we were £10 over, plus the gift aid as well. So fantastic. So a big, big thank you to all of you if you're listening and you did get involved in any way, shape or form donating to the cause. That was absolutely fantastic. So we did the randomizer. We had in, in the end, we had 215 allocated numbers. Um, some, you know, some, some members of my family didn't want to be on the, on the allocation because it would have looked a bit suspicious if they'd have won and I'd give them. So we took them out um, and uh, we pressed the button. 
and uh, there were 215 in it, and number 213 was what the randomizer chose, and that was Davey Hall. Now, Dave was on a pod, one of the podcasts as well. I haven't got the number with me. Oh, I have. Yeah, I have. What number was he on? Dave, now Dave, I went to college with Dave. Um, he was a couple of years younger than me, so I was only there for a year, but we went to a small college and we all stayed, we've all stayed in touch ever since. Now Dave was on episode 29, and uh, what I didn't realize, I knew Dave had done a lot of running after he'd left college, and I, 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 you know, as you do with these things, you lose touch with people 20 years and then you all get back together again. Um, and in fact, Dave holds the record for my fastest ever half marathon because I entered the Hastings half marathon, I don't know when. It must have been in the late 80s, early 90s. And uh, turned up to my friend Dickens' house in Kent with everybody else who was taking part or not taking part. And, you know, then I bawled it because I'd done no training. I had no idea what I was doing. So Dave took my number and I think he stormed home in about an hour and a half. So um, so that's my PB because I got the shout out for it. <laughs> anyway, what uh, Dave will tell you about on episode 29 is that he did UTMB three times. And he finished it on the third time. And the first two, um, I think one of them, he deliberately only wanted to do half of it just to get a feel for it. And I think the second one didn't quite work out, but the third one he cracked it. This was in the mid-2005, uh, 2006, 2007. But anyway, if you want to listen to Dave's adventures about UTMB, then it was episode 29. So, right, so there's all the shout-outs, everybody. So thank you very much for that. Now, this episode, I thought, while it's fresh in my mind... I thought I would aim it a bit like people like Phil, who were doing their first ultra marathon, and share my seven top tips uh, for a fir- from a first timer, which is me, to anybody else who's going to be a first time ultra marathon runner and listening to this episode. Because I, you know, I got loads of tips and ideas from loads of seasoned ultra marathon runners, and I'm sure you will as well. But sometimes it's quite useful, I think, or I'm hoping it will be, um, for a first timer to give you their top tips. So here we go. Here are my seven top tips. In fact, I've got eight. I've got a bonus one for you as well right at the end. So number one is book it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do it. You know, book yourself in. Say you're going to do this because, you know, and then tell everyone you're doing it. All right. Because that's exactly what I did. So as soon as I said, right, you know, I'm going to do this in two years' time, I then started telling everybody, and I'd go to a running club, and they go, oh, yeah, what are you doing now? Well, you know, two years' time, I'm going to do the classic water. <laughs> and, of course, you know, in the last uh, six to nine months, and especially when this podcast started, which was, what, August 2019, um, you know, the, the uh, momentum has built tremendously. So, so book it, and then tell everybody about it. That's tip number one. So you've got, you know, you've got it there. And find one that's really interesting that works for you. You know, like Race to the King sounds really interesting, but there are so many to choose from. And hopefully, you know, going forward now, like Parkrun, they're all going to be coming back. So, yeah, looking forward to Parkrun coming back. That's that's due on the 26th of June, hopefully. So I'll be down there at Trilisic doing my bit for Parkrun, whatever that needs to happen. Actually, I'm on 98 Parkruns. And because I play a lot of cricket still, I play I play county cricket at my in my age group. I said that when it was 100, because 100 in cricket is quite a big thing, I would do the Parkrun dressed in all my cricket gear. Everything, you know, protection equipment, including helmet, carry the bat, the lot. So I'd wear, wear, wear my running shoes and my cricket boots. God. So I don't know how long this is going to take. I, I, will, I will be you know, the tail walker. I'll be going, come on. <laughs> anyway, that's coming up. I'm, I'm hoping to try and do that, but I might have to do a bit of volunteering first because if we do come back on the 26th of June, I'm trying to do it at the end of July when my, when, when hopefully my uh, both my uh, kids will be around and they'll be, they'll be doing it at the same time back from uni and all that stuff. Right. So number two is 
do your plan for the course particularly. So, you know, this is a course plan. So look at the route. Now, I, you know, I lived, quite, well, within an hour of most parts of the route I took. So I was able to go and recce the route. But I also looked at videos. Lloyd Purvis has got some, from Run for Adventures, got some great videos on the Classic Course on YouTube. So if you, no matter what ultra run you're going to do, there'll be people out there who've got some video clips for it on YouTube. And, you know, you can download maps and do all sorts of stuff. And my son, um, he's a medical student in Brighton, and he came back, I think, around Christmas time, um, or maybe it was my birthday last year, I can't remember. Anyway, he had found an old kind of antique map, not, not hundreds of years old, but a, a, a decent age of the, of the course, you know, that part of the world. And so I had it spread out on the table in the, uh, in the room where I've got all the gym equipment and all that stuff. And uh, there's a kind of dining table there that never get used as a dining table. And I put it out there and, I, and I, I divided the course up into three mile sections. And then I started adding the crew points at the various times. I've now got this framed map with all these post-it notes on it to show it. But it's really important that you get a feel for the route. A bit like George said, listening to this podcast, he got a real feel for the classic quarter. So it's, you know, get that feel for the route because it will make a difference. Um, and if you can't, you know, as I say, if you can't go and run it, then just just look at the maps, watch the videos, listen to podcasts about it, and you'll get a real feel for it. So when you get there, you'll feel as though you know the course, even if you've never actually been on it. So that's really important. So that's tip number two. Tip number three is your training plan. Now, clearly, you've got to have a training plan. Now, I've done two marathons in the past, and I followed, you know, the traditional 20, 26-week training plan and all that sort of stuff. And I did follow, to a degree, an ultra training plan, but not, not massively. I think, for me, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm coming at it at quite, you know, at a reasonable age. Part of the training plan is you have to listen to yourself. You know, people say, oh, listen to your body, and it's true. You have to. So... The top, the, the top tips I could give you is that, well, A, you've got to, you know, you've got to do some running. You've got to, you know, you need to, you know, you need to get out there and run. I mean, I think I ran, oh, I should know the figures I gave them in the last podcast, but it was like 2,300 miles or something. 2,300 miles since in about a, a, what, two and a bit year period up leading up to the actual event. So two years and four months, I think that was. Uh, all different distances. And I think that is the thing is, you know, keep it fresh, that sort of thing. So... Two things I would say is I don't think to do an ultramarathon, this is my experience, and don't forget, this is a first-time ultramarathon runner giving you experience. You know, you don't need to do huge, huge mega mileage. I got a, a book, you know, your first ultramarathon, and, you know, the mileage was amazing, you know, and I could never have possibly done that amount of miles. So the longest run I actually had was uh, the beginning of April, which was seven weeks before and that was when I did my own marathon on my on my actual 60th birthday, the Truro, my third ever marathon on my actual birthday. But apart from that, I never went beyond 20 miles. But the war, well, there are two things I would say that you know that are really important. One is the back-to-back runs. Now, the, the, the you know, train for your first ultra book. It did talk about back-to-back runs, and I did four of these. The first one I did 13 weeks to go. So I ran 17. I did Friday, Saturdays because, you know, I work for myself and I, I could manage it, you know, that way. So on the Friday, I did 17. On the Saturday, I did eight. And then the following weekend, I did it, I did it again just to see what it was like to do it that close. I did 17 and seven. And then seven weeks out, I did the marathon. So I didn't. And then I did two more back to back runs. And uh, I did the first one five weeks out. I did 16 and 12. And then three weeks out, I did 16 and 13. 
And I was largely running off-road on trails and through woods and all this sort of stuff. Um, and then the other thing I would say about a training plan is, you know, run slowly. You know, there's, you, know you, you can do some quick stuff in there, but when you're doing these 16 and 13 back-to-backs, you know, the book says do them at your ultra pace. You know, don't, get, don't race along and try and do them really quick. You just got to get used to going at that pace, which over the, over the you know, the sort of 24, 26-hour period that you're doing this in back-to-back, you know, is, is going to be nearly 30 miles, isn't it, when you think about it? You know, 16 and 13. So, you know, do that. But I would say mix it up as well. You know, I did some hill work a few weeks before. Uh, for those of you listening who are familiar with the Trilistic Park Run, there's the hill uh, that takes about, I don't know, 90 seconds to run up or something. I'm not sure, maybe. And I did it 10 times. And it's quite a big hill. And I, I just went out for a run around Trilistic. And I thought, oh, I'll just do that hill a few times. I ended up doing it 10 times. And I tried to do it 10 times around 90 seconds or whatever I was doing at. I can't remember the exact pace now. 90 to 100 seconds, I think, was my window. And I managed it every time. And my last one was my fastest one as well. So, you know, things like that, slipping those things in, really important. So I have a training plan. But, you know, stick to your plan. You know, you have to be a bit selfish here sometimes. And don't get distracted by people saying, oh, come with me. You know, I, know, I, I go on a long run, you know, and all that. And, you know, because I'm an ultra runner myself. And, you know, and if that happens to you and it doesn't fit with your plan, you've got to say, no, no, I'm sorry, it doesn't fit with my plan. So it's your plan. You own it. You manage it. And you decide when you're going to run it. And it will work out for you. So, you know, do that. That's number three. Number four is practice eating and drinking. Now, this to me was the biggest thing, I think. I mean, I've always, you know, if I've done long runs, people laugh at me, you know, used to laugh at me and say, well, you get a half marathon trip, you got your hydration vest on, you know, all that stuff. But I've always had this thing about being self-sufficient when I'm running. I always feel comfortable if I've got a drink with me, got a gel or two if I'm doing a half marathon, that sort of thing. But I think eating and drinking is really important. And, you know, and I would say, you know, start that three or four months before your event and do it even on the short runs. Because on the day, I started eating at three miles, and that was the plan. And I never at any point felt as though I was running, you know, my tank was empty, you know, I was hitting the wall. Never, ever happened to me at all. Never got anywhere near an inclination of that. And I think it was because, A, I'd had a big porridge breakfast, you know, before I set off, an hour or two before I set off. And then I started eating, even though I wasn't hungry, you know, and I think that's the key. When you're on the run, you've got to eat when you're not hungry. You've got to drink when you're not thirsty. That is the big lesson I've, I've picked up. And I would advise you as a first-time ultra runner, when you're running, you know, doing your practice runs, practice eating and drinking, even if you're going out for five or six miles. Just, you know, the last three or four months, get into that habit at three miles, you know, having a bit of something to eat. And I was eating flapjack. I was eating hot crust buns with peanut butter on them. I was eating banana bread. <laughs> Everybody's been eating banana bread. But, you know, mini cheddars, you know. Um, now, on the day, I had watermelon and flat coke, and I didn't do trial loads at all during practice. Um, but, you know, they were things that people had said to me, and my crew had them, and they're a bit tricky to take with you on a run. Um, well, I suppose a flat coke isn't. But anyway, so do that. So, you know, eat and eat, practice eating and drinking. It really is really going to make a difference. And get your, you know, get your gels sorted out. Because gels are an important mix, you know. And what I found is that the first half, I was able to eat and drink pretty much anything. In the second half, I really didn't fancy any more hot cross buns or any more flapjack. <laughs> so I relied on the gels and the watermelon and the baby tomatoes and all those sort of, you know, things as well. Things with, you know, that felt like the watermelon particularly was a great shout. Right, that's number four. Number five is start your taper 
you know, early-ish. I started mine. The last big run I did was the back final back-to-back run, which was on the Saturday, three weeks prior. And after that, I only did, what did I do? Four runs, and I did seven, eight, seven, four. So four runs over three weeks leading up to it. And I think it's important that you do that. You know, there is a temptation. I read all about this and people said, don't be tempted to think, I've got to keep training. I'm going to lose it all. You know, you're not. You know, you've done all that hard work. So three weeks to go, I think, would be my recommendation on my experience. And just do a couple of tick over runs. Yeah, the seven, eight miles, you know. But key point here is in that taper, run at your ultra pace. Even if you're doing four miles, run at your ultra pace. Don't be tempted to think, oh, I'll just put a fast one in here. That's, you know, again, that's my top tip for you. You know, don't be tempted. Just run at your ultra pace, seven or eight miles. And when you get back, you feel as though you've done nothing at all. And that's great because during those three weeks, tapering is there to conserve your energy, to build up your, you know, your, your internal energy stocks, to rest, sleep a lot, you know, all those sort of things. So, you know, don't go for an eight mile dash to try and hit a, you know, eight mile pace because that'll just burn up too much energy. So there we go. So taper early and also have rest periods during your training. I had one where um, I did, you know, I did quite a lot of mileage in January, quite a lot in February and then quite a lot again in April. But in March, I had a couple of weeks where I actually only ran twice in 13 days. And they were they were quick. You know, I did a 5K time trial and a 10K time trial. And that was it for 13 days. And again, sometimes I think, you know, I, you know, I was I was thinking, oh, you've got to keep running, got to keep running four times, five times a week. You don't have to. You have to keep resting. It's really important for ultra running, I've discovered. So that's number five, taper early. Number six is get yourself a reliable crew. <laughs> you know, um, if you've got, well, you don't have to have crew, of course, but crew is really helpful. And for the classic quarter, particularly with the COVID and knowing that, you know, I had, I wanted my particular drinks and all this sort of stuff. And uh, I wanted to change my shoes and whatever. And I wanted people to be saying how great I were. I was uh, looking even though I wasn't. <laughs> so <clears throat> I was very fortunate that uh, my crew were, were amazing. Um, and we had a Zoom meeting on the Tuesday and my daughter was head crew and she you know, she'd been, she spent a lot of time with me and we'd done lots of detailed planning and she was absolutely, you know, down to the, you know, we were using what three words for meeting points and the, the, the planning for the crew was meticulous. And it's a great thing because it means as a runner, you know, if you know you've got good, reliable crew who know what they're doing and you've got a plan and they'll stick to it, you don't have to worry about anything. You just let the whole thing happen and it will make it a difference to you. So, you know, just get your crew organized. And if you don't, if you think someone, oh, yeah, I'll do crew in Trevor. I mean, <laughs> I think a lot of people underestimate how important this is. I was on a business call, I don't know, a week before. I do this call with this guy um, on a Friday every two or three weeks. About my age, doesn't do any running, you know, doesn't do any sports fast, I know. But he was enthusiastically supporting me and came on one of the fundraising masterclasses, all this. And he said, oh, Trevor, he said, um, if, and he lives in Plymouth, which is miles away from where we were running. And he, but he said, he, you know, at the goodness of his heart, he said, oh, Trevor, if you, you know, if you need some help on the day, you know, if one of your crew drops out, give me a shout, you know, I'll, I can come in. I said, oh, well, thanks very much. <laughs> thanks very much, David. Um uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bear that in mind. That's great. So I was grateful and he was so enthusiastic, but there was no way in the world he was going to end up on my crewing team because he wouldn't have had a clue what was going on. 
And, you know, and, and you need people who, they don't have to have run ultra races as long as they're organised. So get you, start picking your crew early on as well. Right, number seven, the final one of the seven is if it's hilly, then, you know, walk up all the hills. Okay, now that was one of the first tips I got. Andy Goundry gave me that tip. He was in episode number three and, um, and he said, you know, walk up the hills from the first go. And I did that. But... Edward Chapman, who has uh, also been on the podcast a couple of times, and Ed has got this remarkable record of he's finished the Kalahari six-day classic something like 12 times, and that's that's a record. No one's ever done that more often than him. And he said, okay, walk up all the hills on the day, but when you're running, when you're training, run up all the hills because then you'll get the benefit. So train up the hills, but on the day, walk up them. Conserve your energy. And I would also say look at using poles. Now, my understanding is that outside of the UK, you know, poles for ultra events are very common. In the UK, you don't see the lot of them. But I took them with them. I've got some that fold up and I, I made some little clips on my uh, hydration vest. They fold into four. And OK, they're a bit of a faff around, but to, uh, you know, undo and all that. And I was practicing that as well. Not quite as swift as a tyre change on a Formula One car. But nevertheless, when you're actually going up a long hill, you can use them. And it's like you... Because you would pull your arms out normally. I'm trying to do this now while I'm talking to you. You pull your arms out. But with the poles, you put them down, dig them down, pull through, dig them down, pull through. And when I was, you know, going up steps and all that, it made a huge, huge difference. I used them a lot. So use poles and practice poles and do the hills. So there we go. So there are my seven top tips from a first-time ultramarathon runner to anybody listening who's also thinking of doing their first ultramarathon. Now, I will put these uh, tips in the show notes. I'll list them out, but let me just run through them very quickly once more. So number one, book it and then tell everybody you're doing it. Number two, get a course plan. If you can wreck it the route, great. If not, look at the maps, all that sort of stuff. Watch the videos. Number three, get yourself a training plan. But don't, you know, don't think you've got to, you know, don't beat yourself up too much. Have some rest periods in there. But stick to your plan, particularly in the last three or four months. Try not get be distracted by other people and do the back-to-back runs. You know, I honestly don't think you need to be running, you know, huge distances in training. But the back-to-back runs, you know, really, really work. Definitely work for me. Uh, that was uh, number three. Practicing, eating and drinking was number four. And as I say, in the last three or four months, decide what you're going to eat and then practice eating it. Even if you're doing a short run, six miles, go and have to eat it, eat after three. It will make a huge difference, I can assure you. You've got to eat early and drink and keep drinking all the time. Uh, number five was taper early. You know, don't be tempted to think, oh, I'll, just, you know, I'll keep training until a week to go. You know, for me, it was three weeks out. Conserve your energy. And if you do do some runs, you know, three or four tick over runs, short distances, run them all very slowly at your ultra pace. Don't be tempted to think, oh, I'll just put a quick park run in here. You know, don't do that. Right, number six is get some reliable crew organised. If you if it, if the event that you're going for needs crew, for example, it might not. And number seven is that if you know it's hilly, if it's going to be hilly and it probably will at some point, then walk up the hills and practice using poles. And number eight, the bonus one I promised you, and which is what I did. People said to me, Trevor, you know what's you know you you ready for this, you know, and all that sort of stuff. I said, yeah, I'm ready. I know I'm going to do this because all the preparation and planning tells me that. Unless, you know, a disaster happens like I fall over and break my ankle or something and I physically can't continue because of that. 
uh, I know I'm going to finish. I know I'm going to do it because I've everything I've done tells me that's ready to go. And and you have to have that positive mental, you know, attitude. I think. And I I think I was very lucky that I managed to do that. And I kept saying to people, uh, I'm going for a big day out. That's what I'm doing. You know, I've I've done all this work, and I'm going to go and enjoy and lap every every minute of it. And I and I think I pretty much did. There was one moment at 20 miles when I looked at my watch and it, and it said 20 miles. I thought, God, that's great. I know I've only run 20 miles a handful of times in my whole life. Oh, I've got about 24, 25 to go. <laughs> so there was a moment and it lasted, I don't know how long it lasted. Not very long, not very long. But again, people did tell me that w- that would happen. So I won't, I'm not going into great detail. I'll, I'll give you some tips on, on, the, on the day. Well, you've done all those anyway. Right, so that was it. So it is a big day out. Go and enjoy it. And yeah, so if you're thinking of doing an ultra run sometime in the next 18 months, then when you finish listening to this podcast, find one and start thinking, right. And then tell me, tell me, send me a message, podcast at trevorleemedia.co.uk or say, put something in a review or do like George did, put a comment on, my, on the Trevor Lee Media YouTube channel or send me a Facebook Messenger thing or whatever it's called or connect with me on LinkedIn that's probably the best way of getting a hold of me but tell me and then and then if you want to come on the podcast and talk about your plans and your adventure for your first ultra that would be amazing right that's enough for now thank you very much for listening everybody if you do like it and you can leave a review that would be amazing and we'll have another episode coming up very soon thanks very much and good luck to Phil on his race to the king cheers now bye bye